If you have your scriptures with you, your smartphones, or whatever method you use, you need to turn to the book of Habakkuk. Now, I'm giving you a heads up now because by the end of the service, you will eventually find Habakkuk, okay? <laughs> it is buried in the Minor Prophets. It's three chapters long. It'll take you seven minutes to read. But I want to come with the message from Habakkuk because I don't know of any book more relevant in our story today than Habakkuk. And, and that's a bold statement, but I don't know of any book as relevant for our hearts like the book of Habakkuk. Now, back a couple months ago, Daniel met with me and asked if I would do a three-part series on Habakkuk. And I was like, hmm, well, that'll be interesting to try to squeeze three weeks out of Habakkuk. Uh, I think I'm up for it. And then, um, and then we got to talking a little bit later, and he just said, you know what? I want you to just speak on what you want to speak on. And uh, I said, I appreciate that, but I had already, Habakkuk's one of my favorite books, so I had already sunk my teeth on Habakkuk, and I thought, we're going to go for a ride. But since he's given me a little bit of permission, I decided to turn this into a two-part series called Lament. Okay, uh, I'm here to help you. Um, I want to be vulnerable with you this morning. And in fact, there was a part of me that's like, I don't want the camera on, but that's okay because I want to be able to speak to the people at home. But I'm just saying, I'm going to be vulnerable with you and I'm going to share some of my own personal struggles and, and, and how Habakkuk has walked me through some of my darkest seasons. Okay, and so we're going to do a two-part series on lament. We're going to get through Habakkuk, and I'm watching the clock. I will honor the clock, and if we can't get through all of Habakkuk today, we'll pick up next week, and then we'll, we'll kind of jump into something else. I'm not going to rush. Uh, we're going to just have some fun together this morning. So we're going to cover the whole book of Habakkuk, so uh, 55, maybe an hour and 10 minutes, and we should be done, okay? My, my, my humor is very lame, and I, and I know that... Uh, it will not go beyond 35 minutes. And so I want to take my time, and I believe in this. So let me tell you, um, I went through a dark season a couple years ago, overwhelming. And um, the one thing that I will say is I really felt like the Lord showed up big time in my life. Um, I loved him, uh, but I, I, come, I came to realize, my goodness, my my depth of my love for him wasn't where I thought it was. And, it's, and, and since then, it's only increased. Uh, and, and one of the things I've come to realize, and maybe a word for you, just this may be the word that you need this morning, he loves you 100%. All right? It's not based off of what you do. It's not based off of uh, what you've accomplished. His love for you is 100%. And I... I really want you to get that. There's nothing you need to do to earn. There's nothing you can do to lose. Okay? This isn't, this isn't conditional. It's, it's 100%, friends. 100%. And I think the truth of it is to start moving into a deeper place. You believe that truth. 100%. He loves you. And there's nothing that separates you from his love, nothing. And so that's where it starts because I, 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 even as a pastor, I struggled. I've shared this with my small group guys. I've struggled because I feel like I, I got to perform. So unhealthy. I don't have to do anything except just receive his love. That's it. That's where you start. 
And some days that's all you can give. That's all you can receive. You got nothing else to give. But he loves me 100% and I have finally learned to embrace that. And guess where I learned to embrace that? In my darkest season. Which never happens in the dark seasons, or does it? (laughs) And so we start this morning by simply expressing that he is deeply and madly in love with you. For you and nothing else. So lament, boy, that sounds like a churchy word, huh? You're like, ugh, ugh, all right? Uh, but lament is something that most churches don't even talk about. In fact, uh, I, didn't, I, I knew the word lament. There's lamentations in the Bible. I, I, I think lament means to cry. Uh, and so about a year and a half ago, I came across this book on lamenting, and I, I, I dove into it, and I, I, I ju- it was just like, it's like one of those times when you're eating and you just can't stop eating. And I just kept chewing on this and chewing on this. And then I thought, well, uh, don't just chew on it, but put it into practice. And so I'm coming here this morning to literally teach you how to lament. Because here's what I believe, and I think you're going to agree with me. Our nation is in a decline. I have seen people who I look up to in faith fall apart. And so, the question on the table this morning that I hope that by the end of our time together that we're able to answer is, how do I, who love Jesus, how do I live faithfully for him and yet maneuver through this decline in our nation? And I want to answer that question because I believe with all my heart that what I'm going to teach you this morning is exactly the thing that you and I need to put into practice in order for us to be able to maneuver through this season that we're in. Biblical lament. And so I begin to learn, I begin to embrace it, I begin to do it, and all of a sudden my, everything about my relationship with the Lord has completely changed. It's so good and I can't wait to share it with you, but... But here's, here's the reality. I, 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 I decided to ask some of my friends who are pastors, some of my friends who are long Christians, what their view of biblical lament, and they couldn't give me an answer. So the reality is, if you don't know what biblical lamenting is this morning, you're in great company because a lot of people don't. And so I want to share with you four key steps in the process of biblical lamenting. And so what we want to do is we're going to look at Habakkuk and allow Habakkuk to literally show us what it looks like to lament. And so there's four words that are going to pop up on the screen. If you have a way to take notes, I, here's, here's what Dustin and I prayed for this morning. I don't want to tickle your ears. I mean, I'm literally here this morning because I want to help. I want to help you. I want to help you in a way that the Lord has helped me. In in 2 Corinthians 1, it says that uh, we comfort those in the way that we were comforted. So when I go through a hard season and the Lord comforts me, then my responsibility with that then is when you go through a hard season, my responsibility is to come alongside you and comfort you the way that the Lord comforted me. And so this morning, I want to give you an understanding of biblical lamenting because this is what the Lord has led me through, and it is life-changing. And so I just want to simply offer that to you as a gift. 
And so Habakkuk, if you've gotten there, some of you are still flipping through your pages. Like, where's this stupid book at? All right? It's there, I promise. Keep going. And if you can't get to it by the end of the service, 3 o'clock this afternoon, you'll find it. I love Habakkuk. Had a professor and say, it's not Habakkuk, it's Habakkuk. All right, so at my house, we call it Habakkuk. All right, and so if I mess up every once in a while, just out of habit, say Habakkuk. I'm talking about Habakkuk. All right, so uh, the first phrase I want you to learn, okay? In biblical lamenting, the first thing you do is you turn to the Lord. You turn to the Lord, okay? Habakkuk chapter 1. Verse 2 says, oh, Lord, that's ridiculous. Gosh, Dan, do we have ushers to escort her out? <laughs> oh, she, she escorted herself out. Love it. That's authority right there, baby. Now, now all right, stop. We're going to have to start all over. Very... <laughs> All right. Hi. It's good to be with you. Okay. <laughs> Two words. Two words. Oh, Lord. Look at verse 12, chapter 1. Oh, Lord. He says it three times. Oh, Lord. In biblical lamenting, you turn to the Lord. Here's where I want to get vulnerable with you. Please embrace this with love because I'm speaking from pain in my own heart. All eyes up here, I'm telling you. Biblical lamenting is not turning sideways. I think one of the things that we have to learn as Christians is to stop having sideway conversations. You're in pain. You have grief. You have sorrows. I believe that. One of my favorite quotes is, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Everybody in this room this morning is fighting a great battle. You look great, you got that big smile on your face, but deep down inside, you're fighting a great battle. And so out of kindness, I want to say to you, don't have sideways conversations. We, we, we have to stop with that. And the reason I say that so strongly is because we have a God who says, come to me. Come to me. And so... I'm the world's worst. In fact, my, my part of my darkness was because I confided in a person who turned on me. Just like that. And it was my fault for having a sideways conversation. And it was my fault for not going to the Lord about my frustrations. And I don't know where we get this concept that I can't bring all my junk to the Lord. What, who, who, where did we get deceived? The Lord says, are you weary? Are you heavy laden? You burn out? You hurting? You sad? Come to me. Come to me. In Peter, it says, cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares. In Psalms, it says, bring your burdens before him, because he cares. And so in biblical lamenting, if we're going to do biblical lamenting, and I think we need to learn how to do this, the first thing that you and I have to do, friends, is turn to the Lord. 
I have, I have worked really hard in my life to stop having sideway conversations. And one of the other things that I know is true is that uh, when I have sideway conversations, I start becoming a burden to my friend. And my friend then starts having uh, misconceived conceptions of the other side of the story. That's not fair either. And so sideway conversations, is you're, you're just asking for trouble. Even, even with a trusted friend, you're asking for trouble. We all have great burdens. We all have tough days. We all have challenges. And so one of the things that I've come to learn, and it's actually kind of nice, is that I'm not a burdensome person anymore. In fact, I have learned, I, and, and trust me, when I tell you what I'm about to tell you, it's the truth. I turn to the Lord about everything, everything, even a stub toe. I turn to the Lord. Relationship conflict, I turn to the Lord. Bad attitude, I wake up with a bad attitude in the morning, I turn to the Lord. I turn to the Lord with every aspect of my life, and it's working. And so then I get all that out with him, and then all of a sudden, guess what I am to the people around me? An encouragement. I don't have to be a burden, and I, you know, I, one of the things I'm very ashamed of is I have always played woe is me the martyr card the reason why I have sideway conversations is because I want people to feel sorry for me and what I'm going through if you don't understand what I'm going through then let me help you understand what I'm going through so that you feel sorry for me what is that I've finally learned this insecurity I, I, I came to understand that that is a Unhealthy relationship and trust in the Lord. And so now I'm taking the Lord at his word when he says, come to me. And I said, okay, I'm coming to you. He's never once rejected me. He's never once said, not today. <laughs> I'm just too tired of you. Go. Like Sarah just went. She, she's not coming back either. <laughs> Just go. No, the Lord doesn't do that. You know, in Isaiah 40, 11, it says, he tends to his flock like a good shepherd. He doesn't just hold you in his arms, but he brings you to his chest. Every time I come to the Lord, he isn't like, the Lord is like, my head is nuzzled under his chin. That's the view of God that I want you to have. You don't need to be a burdensome to other people. Now, I do, I'm not saying that's wrong. I still have people that I can turn to and walk to. But normally what I say to them now is, hey, I got, I got some challenges going on. And I'm just, could you, could you just pray for me? Pray with me. Encourage me. I don't have to spill the beans. The Lord already knows. And so I'm just saying, turn to the Lord. Habakkuk is so powerful in how he laments because the first thing Habakkuk does is he turns to the Lord. And three times he says, oh, Lord. In fact, I would even go as far as to say if you want to learn how to biblically lament and pray, start off your prayers with, oh, Lord. And if what's interesting is if you read, I love the Psalms, 150 Psalms, David laments in a third of those Psalms, 50 chapters. 50 chapters of Psalms is David lamenting. 
Job lamented. Jeremiah lamented. Lamentations is a whole book of lamenting. Do you want to know what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane? He lamented. It's biblical, friends. We, 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 we do not need to be ignorant of biblical lamenting. It's biblical. It's been there from the beginning to the end. And it's a great avenue that the Lord has opened up between he and I that I can bring all my stuff to him. He doesn't reject us. He will not refuse us ever. And boy, there are some times that I have some pretty stern conversations with the Lord. I've shaken my fist at the Lord. I have said things to the Lord that I wouldn't want anyone else to hear. And the Lord says, oh, I love you. 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 Come, 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 come. I got you. You've got to start with turning to the Lord. Second, okay? The second one is this. You're going to love this one. Turn to the Lord. Second action is complain. No joke. You get to complain. Now, wait a minute. Paul says in Philippians that we're not to complain. So, how, yeah, Paul's talking about not complaining to each other. You see, we're called to spur each other on in love. We're called to encourage each other. We are called to love each other. We are called to build up the body of Christ. And when you are complaining sideways, you are not building up the body of Christ. You're just not. In fact, when we turn sideways and we complain to one another, we are giving Satan a foothold. But the Lord says, complain to me. Bring your complaints to me and say them however you need to. Here's what I love about Habakkuk, okay? Let's get back to Habakkuk and I'll show you his complaint. Habakkuk is a prophet. A prophet is one who speaks to the people on behalf of God. The, the reason why I love the book of Habakkuk is Habakkuk's the only book in the Bible where it's like the people are going to Habakkuk and he's going to the Lord on behalf of the people. There's a conversation that's happening in Habakkuk between him and the Lord that we don't see in other scriptures. The Lord tells Jeremiah what to do. Jeremiah does it. The Lord tells Isaiah what to do, and Isaiah does it. The Lord tells Micah. But in Habakkuk, Habakkuk's the one that starts the conversation off and says, God, here's my complaint. So let's look at this complaint. It should pop up on the screen. And it says this. Oh, how long, O oh Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. You ever been there? You may be there right now. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. Is that not where we're at as a nation right now? Evil is prospering, and if you stand for what you believe, you're going to get cut down. So let me say this. We are not the first. 
We act like we're the first people in history that have ever been in this conflict. Friends, from Genesis to Revelation, we have nothing but stories of people who stand for what they believe and they get cut down. We shouldn't be surprised. And here's Habakkuk, who, who has experienced peace. In fact, what's happening is that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is about to come in and destroy Jerusalem and take them all into captivity. So Habakkuk knows what's coming. And so he calls out to the Lord, how long must I watch this? How long must I watch evil prosper and the righteous fall? How, much, how long do I have to deal with all this violence? And I'm like, I get that. I say that myself. I cannot stand where our nation is. But the reality is, I cannot hang on to that. And I have been given the freedom to bring all my concerns to a holy God who cares deeply for me. Habakkuk turns to the Lord and he complains. He complains. He doesn't turn to Isaiah. He doesn't turn to Jeremiah. He doesn't turn to his servants. He turns to a holy God and he just gets his complaints out. That's biblical lamenting. That's the second process. I'm so ashamed of how much I have complained in my own life with other people. I'm so ashamed. I really am. I've caused so much pain in other people's lives because of my complaining. That's why Paul says, don't grumble, don't grumble. And the Lord says, don't grumble. Sideways, come, come bring it to me. Whatever you got, whatever you have, bring it to me. So here's Habakkuk showing us two principles so far. First, he turned to the Lord. Second, he complained. The third, ask boldly. Ask. Ask the Lord. Okay? Let's look at what Habakkuk does. It says this. O Lord, my God. This is verse 12. There it is. O Lord, there it is, O Lord, my God, my Holy One, who you, who, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. O Lord, our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. But you are pure and cannot stand in the sight of evil. Would you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? Are we only fish to be caught and killed? Are we only sea creatures that have no leader? Must we be strung up on their hooks and caught in their nets while they rejoice and celebrate? Then they will worship their nets and burn incense in front of them. These nets are the gods who will make us rich, they will claim. Will you let them get away with this forever? Will they succeed forever in their heartless conquests? And I love chapter 2, verse 1. I will climb up to my watchtower, and I will stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Here's why I love Habakkuk. You ready for this? He says to the Lord, I want an answer. Think about that. Habakkuk is, I want an answer. One of the key words in, the, in, in chapter two is the word wait. 
Here's, here's where I fall short, and maybe you will join me on this. Sometimes we go to the Lord and go, I want an answer in five minutes. And I'm, I'm not kidding you. You know what we do after five minutes? We move on. That's not lamenting. Habakkuk has faith. Please understand, this is not a man of doubt. This is a man of faith. This is a man, this is a man who knows the word. This is a man who knows Genesis through Deuteronomy, and he has seen the character of God displayed through those first five books of the Old Testament. He knows. He's no doubt. But he's like, but Lord, you said... Let me, let me remind you that in your prayer time, and your quiet time, if you can learn to pray prayers of Scripture back to the Lord, wow, that's fun. I mean, it is a beautiful thing when you and I can say, but Lord, you said, and the Lord says, oh, that's good, child. That's good. Because that means we are devouring his word. We are, we are clinging onto his word. And when we can pray his word and give it back to him, are you kidding me? Let's speak his language. And his language is given to us in the Holy Scriptures. That's why I'm a big fan of the Psalms. Man, I love speaking to the Lord in Psalms. Habakkuk goes, oh Lord, bleh, and I will wait. And you know what I'm absolutely convinced of? He's, evidently he's on this watchtower, so that means he's got a, he's got a job of, of looking across the horizon, making sure everything's staying safe for, for their community. He knows King Nebuchadnezzar's coming. He knows the Babylonians are coming, so he's on his watchtower doing his job because he's ready for them to come. And I'm absolutely convinced with all my heart, friends, that Habakkuk would have waited on the Lord for four years because one thing that Habakkuk knows about the Lord is that he will answer. You and I approach the Lord going, I hope you answer. No, we need to start approaching the Lord going, I know you will answer. Because he answers. The thing we got to get over is the fact that we don't like his answers. That's our problem. That's not the answer I was expecting, Lord. That's our problem. That's our hang up. Habakkuk was waiting for an answer and he would have waited. He waited and waited and sometimes you and I need to wait. We may need to wait seven years. But he turned to the Lord, he complained, he asked. The last thing, because I'm running out of time. Fourth, this is critical, absolutely critical. The word is trust. Trust. Let me say this. I believe wholeheartedly that I think everyone in this room probably one time or another have done the, the first three. But I'm, I'm pleading with you this morning, if you don't do that fourth step, you just gave Satan another foothold. If we want to destroy Satan completely, then we turn to the Lord, we complain, we ask, and then we trust. If we don't do fourth, we just set ourselves up for trouble. we got to trust. So here's this, I want to summarize Habakkuk as quickly as possible. 
they, Habakkuk knows that the Babylonians are coming in to take them 800 miles away, and they're going to be there for 70 years, part of their discipline, because they have failed God. They worshiped other idols. They wanted to be like other nations. And so Habakkuk complains, and the Lord tells him exactly what's going to happen. And by the way, one of my favorite verses in Habakkuk, and it's true for you and I today, is why doesn't the Lord give us more? Why doesn't he give us more answers? And, and in, I think it's in verse 4 of chapter 2. It says, uh, even if I were to tell you how this is all going to play out, you still wouldn't believe me. God is wise, friends. I know that sounds like a silly statement, but we don't act like it. We just don't. We like to try to tell God the way that he should function. God is wise. He's been a God for a long time. And he knows well enough, we sinful human beings, he said, man, if I came down and, and, and showed elevation, if I laid everything out for elevation till the end of time, not a single one of you would believe. Not a single one of you would believe. He says those words to Habakkuk. So he tells Habakkuk what's going to happen. Habakkuk responds, ask, and then the Lord tells Habakkuk exactly what's going to go down. This is how it's going to go down. That's the rest of chapter 2. And then chapter 3, we've got to hurry. Chapter 3 says this. Look at the first line of chapter 3. This prayer was sung by prophet Habakkuk. That's powerful. It's not a moment of... Sorrow, it's a moment of rejoicing. Why? Because he trusts in the Lord. He trusts in the Lord. Look at verses 17 and 19. They'll come up on the screen. Here's how the book of Habakkuk ends, friends. Here's what it says. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, and even though the olive crops fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Because the sovereign Lord is my strength, he makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. And I just have to say, do we trust the Lord today that if everything is absolutely taken away from us and we have absolutely no freedom, are we able to say, yet I trust in the Lord? I rejoice in the God of my salvation. Are we there? Because here's what I believe. I'm not a prophet, but here's what I believe. We're going to find ourselves in a season where we have to choose. In fact, there are some people already in North America alone that are having to make a choice. Am I going to cave in? Or am I going to stand firm and say, even though famine is in the land, even though there's no cattle, there's no figs, there's nothing, nothing, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. For the Lord my God is my salvation. Friends, here's what I've learned about biblical lamenting. I, I turn to the Lord, and he's He's already waiting. 
And then I get to speak openly with him. I get to say things to the Lord that I don't even want to say to you anymore. That's how intimate my relationship with the Lord has become. I talk to him about everything. I complain. And then I ask. And I assure you that I've come to a place where I trust the Lord more than I've ever trusted him. In fact, I would dare say I probably have come to learn to trust the Lord in the last six months. And I have 22 years of walking with Jesus. We'll look at this again next week. But David, David always ends his laments. In worship. He always ends his laments in worship. I love David. So we'll talk more about this. I know next weekend is Memorial Day weekend and it's crazy and you're going to be out and enjoy your family by all means. But I'm telling you, if you can, jump in on the message online, whatever, be here just for an hour. We're going to look at a psalm next week. We're going to look at David. We're going to see how David laments. Okay, and I'm going to be able to share a little bit more about that. So turn to the Lord, complain, ask boldly, trust. Let me give you this last story. So I'm leaning on the integrity of my youth pastor who told me this story. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this story because this is an illustration of biblical lamenting. So I heard this story when I was in student ministry. And as part of the reason why I felt like I wanted to be in student ministry, this story right here. And so the story is of a young man in, in, in a small community whose mom and dad were killed tragically in an accident. And so now all of a sudden he's an orphan. No mom and dad. And uh, he was a teenage kid, and so he just flipped out, as you can imagine a teenage kid would do. And so, so many relatives tried so many different things with him, counseling, I mean, medicine, we're, we're, everybody's trying anything and everything, and he's just getting worse, and he's going deeper and deeper. And so this local youth pastor who was aware of the story was just praying night and day trying to figure out what can I do what can I what how can I how can I be involved how can I and all of a sudden he felt like the Lord just gave him a vision and it was a vision of the pillow it was a vision of a pillow and the youth pastor began to just pray about this pillow and it kept going pillow so finally he thought he he felt like he had the vision and so he called the young man into his office one day and he just said to him hey I don't have any words to say. I don't have any words. So I, we're going to try something, if you're willing to try. But I want you to imagine this pillow right here. Dude, I'm trying not to get choked up. I love this story. He said to the young man, I want you to imagine that this pillow is the chest of God. And there's, you got all the freedom in the world. You get to do whatever you want to. But this is the chest of God. What do you want to do? And that kid came up and he just started punching the heck out of the pillow. I mean, he was, it was like Rocky Balboa. I mean, he just punched and punched and punched and punched and punched and screamed and cried and cussed and screamed and punched and punched and punched and punched over and over and over. And eventually he wore himself out. And then, you know what he did? 
he buried his face in the pillow and he wrapped it up and he just wept. He just wept. That's biblical lamenting. The Lord has invited you and I to do that with him. He doesn't just hold us out here. He never holds us out here. Ever. Have you ever tried to carry something heavy out here? When you're carrying something heavy, you bring it in. You hold it tight. And you have more power and strength. Biblical lamenting is for you to fall into the chest of God and let him carry you. And you simply say, oh, I trust in the Lord. I rejoice in the God of my salvation. Lord, we come before you this morning. We hurt. There are pains in this room that are intense and overwhelming, and we have held on to it way too long. Lord, there are people in this room that need freedom. There are people in this room that need to be released. And they don't know what to do. And so this morning, Lord, we know now what to do because of what you have given us, the gift of biblical lamenting. Lord, I just am so overwhelmed with your faithfulness to us. Even when we are faithless, you are faithful because that is who you are. And you have invited us to bring our junk to you. You're not ashamed by us. You are not surprised by us. There is nothing that ever catches you off guard. And you like us. And you love us. And Lord, we have the privilege each and every day to come to you and just wrap our arms around you. And we even have the privilege to come to you on days and punch you in the chest. And all you say is, come, come to me. Come to me. Come, come. Cast all your anxieties on you. For you care. Oh, gosh. Oh, today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Lord, would you let your spirit reign in this room? No more bondages. No more sideway conversations. Lord, we want to be free so that we can be people that are building up and not tearing down. And Lord, there might be a person in here this morning who has never embraced your son Jesus ever. And I pray that they understand that right now is the greatest invitation that they will ever receive for you to say, I put my trust in Jesus today. I don't know what that looks like, and I'm probably going to need some help, but I want to start here today, and I say amen to that. And if that's you here this morning, unashamedly raise your hand so we know who you are so that we can worship and celebrate a God who has led you to salvation. And for the rest of us, where we just continue to understand what it means to fall at your feet. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.